You're listening to the Psych Central Podcast, where guest experts in the field of psychology and mental health share thought-provoking information using plain, everyday language. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Podcast. Calling into the show today, we have Jeff Gunther, LPC. Jeff is the host of the podcast, Say More About That, and runs an inclusive and progressive therapist directory at therapyden.com. Jeff is here today to discuss how therapy works, how therapy doesn't work, and everything in between. Jeff, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, I'm excited to talk because therapy is one of those things that everybody has heard of, Mm -hmm. yet there is all this misconception about it. Yeah, totally. And it's really tricky to figure out, even if you want to go to therapy, how do you start it? Where do you find a therapist? Jeff, let's start small. What is therapy? Yeah, I feel like that's a really good question. And it's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, so I run therapyden.com, which is this national therapist directory. So I get to find out what people are actually searching for when they're trying to find a therapist. Most people go on and select their issue that they want to address in therapy. And over 40% of the time, it's one of three issues that they're selecting. (laughs) So I think sometimes the public thinks that therapy is going to therapy for either anxiety, depression, or relationship issues. Those are the most common issues that are selected when looking for a therapist. So maybe we can kind of start there and say that therapy is when you're feeling like you're struggling with something that you are having a hard time maybe resolving on your own, and you need some sort of outside third party to help you process and understand what's going on so that you can move forward or grow. I like that much better than the Webster's Dictionary version, which is the treatment of mental or psychological disorders by psychological means. Mm -hmm. And you can see why people maybe have this general misunderstanding of what therapy is, because in pulp culture, it's laying on a couch. In in real life, it's sitting in a chair. And therapy looks different for everybody. You know, what therapy looks like for me is very different than what therapy looks like to somebody else. I think that therapy is this idea of taking an issue Mm -hmm. and discussing it with a trained professional to get a different viewpoint or perspective on that issue to help you move forward in a meaningful way. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good, succinct, concise definition that we can all get behind. I agree. That's it. We should email Webster tomorrow. Can we please? Yeah. 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 Jeff and Gabe changing the definition of therapy since. (laughs) I support that. Jeff, of all the things that you could have put your time and talent behind, why helping people get to therapy? So I've been a therapist since 2005 and in the beginning stages of starting my practice, like a lot of therapists, I was really focused on marketing my practice so that other people in the community in Portland, Oregon, where I am, can find me. And I was having a hard time trying to figure out how to attract clients. I was talking to a lot of therapists. Therapists were having a really hard time trying to figure out exactly how to market themselves and attract clients that would be a good ideal match. And then I was looking to the community, people that were looking for therapists, and they were just totally lost. There's got to be a better way. And so I just became obsessed with trying to figure out how to get people into therapy in the easiest way possible with the least amount of barriers and limits. And I eventually created a local therapist directory for Portland. And there's hundreds and hundreds of therapists that have signed up, thousands and thousands of people every month that go to that website to look for a therapist. And I've been able to collect all the data (laughs) 
what is important for people when they're looking for therapists. And then I was able to take all that data and create the national therapist directory, therapyden.com. So part of it is I turned into like a data nerd of what is it that people are looking for and what makes a good match. And also just, it's really hard when people start to look for a therapist, it feels daunting. They don't know where to go and then they don't get treatment and they never are able to learn or grow or heal. My heart hurts for them. So for the last 10, 15 years, I've just been kind of going for it. I love it, Jeff. Thank you so very much. I am one of these people that believes that everybody should probably be in therapy. And I also believe that many people who want to be in therapy don't know how. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd kind of like to switch gears and talk about now. So you have decided that you want to find a therapist. Where should you start? I think a good place to start is asking yourself, do you have a healthcare provider in your life that you already trust? So that might be your primary care physician. And sometimes they're connected to other therapists in the community. They know what you're looking for. They know what other therapists out there are treating, and they can be like a really good first place to start. You're sort of getting this really personalized referral. So I'd say start there and then maybe also start with your friends and your family. The tricky thing is lots of People don't really want to talk about the fact that they're seeing a counselor because there's this stigma attached to it. The next place that I think the majority of people probably go is to their computer. They go to the internet, they type something into Google, and they try to find a therapist there. And when you're on there, you can either look at therapy websites or you can go to therapist directories. Another thing, because in my like 15 years of being a therapist, I'm not sure any client has ever asked if I'm actually licensed to practice therapy. So it's fascinating that you bring that up because the next question that I was going to ask you is how does one become a licensed therapist? Because I see LPC, I see MSW, I see PhD. And for a person not in the industry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are all the differences? What is the license that we're looking for so that we know we're in good hands? Mm -hmm. First of all, look for a license. (laughs) Because in some states, even in my state, the state of Oregon, you can call yourself a professional counselor, but you don't actually have like a master's degree in the counseling field. So you can't call yourself a licensed professional counselor, but you can call yourself a professional counselor. So make sure that there's the word licensed in their title so that you know that they're legit. If you've gotten like a graduate degree in counseling, then you can be a licensed professional counselor. You can be a licensed clinical social worker. You can be a licensed marriage family therapist. And those are sort of master's degree level. I'm a master's degree level. And then there's the PhD level, and they can call themselves psychologist. So they've been in school for five years, they've written a dissertation, and they can call themselves a doctor as well as a PhD. And then there's the PsyD, which is a little bit like a PhD, but they've focused more on clinical work instead of research at the university, can also call themselves a doctor. And then there's a psychiatrist who prescribes medication, and they have a medical degree. In pop culture, it's the psychiatrist that's always providing therapy. Mm -hmm. But I know that out in the real world, psychologists, licensed counselors, therapists, you know, MSWs, LSWs, Mm -hmm. they're providing the therapy. And the psychiatrists are medical doctors who aren't doing talk therapy. They're doing medication management. Is that true? Is pop culture misleading us? It's mostly true. There are some psychiatrists that will sit down with you for an hour, but many of them will be just like sitting down with you for 15 minutes every month or two or three to kind of talk to you about how you're feeling about your medication. 
they typically all recommend that you should go talk to a talk therapist, which is a therapist, counselor, social worker, psychologist. It's good to make that point clear. The internet is vast. Oh, yeah. So now you're looking online. What are some things that clients should be looking for in order to keep them safe? Because... I mean, there's just a lot on the internet and obviously we can drive people to like psychcentral.com or therapyden.com and and we know that those are safe, but the internet's a really big place. (laughs) The internet is a really big place. And I think you bring up a good point. It's important to find a safe website to know that you're finding therapists that are credentialed. And there's some therapist websites that you mentioned, and also there's goodtherapy.org and Psychology Today that verify their therapists. So you can feel safe knowing that you're on these verified therapist directories that I've already kind of vetted. You know, one thing that you can do actually is you can go to the local state board of licensed professional counselors and therapists. You can Google that in your state and you can find out if they've been suspended or reprimanded or if they've gotten in trouble. Usually like the website lists all those sorts of things. But when you're looking for a therapist, there's some common things that people usually start out with. And two really popular things is the location of the therapist. Is it close to your work or your home? And then how are you going to pay with insurance or out of pocket? Those are really important questions, but sometimes people just stop there. You know, like, oh, location and payment, great, let's just do this. And I want them to be able to kind of expand their search and ask other questions or look for other data points that are important. Like, do they specialize in your issue? If you're going in and you have a panic disorder, you should find a therapist that is obsessed with treating panic disorder. And do they get you? Can they empathize with you? Sometimes that's hard to figure out on their website or on their like therapist profile. But a lot more times these days, therapists are being better when they're coming to kind of empathizing with their client through their marketing or website materials. Now, what can a client look for to make sure they have a good fit? Now, I don't mean licensed or unlicensed. I mean a good fit for you and a therapist. Every therapist is completely different and we all have so many different styles. What kind of person do you want to talk to? Some people want to talk to the older woman who feels has a caretaker energy, or some people want to talk to like the professorial type who's quick-witted and very smart. And some people want to talk to a therapist that does a lot of talking, or they like give a lot of homework, or they're like really super engaged, and they want to kind of get that sort of dynamic. Some people are really interested in trying to find a therapist that has the same gender, their same sexuality, race, age, or identity. What is this person's culture? If you find a therapist that has a similar culture, it doesn't automatically mean that that's going to be like the perfect fit and perfect therapist for you. But some clients feel like that's important because they want the sort of lived experience that a therapist has gone through. And also there's a lot of clients are looking for a therapist that have the same values. Do they have a, a value match? You know, some people really like value a specific type of politics. Does their therapist also value that? Some clients like don't eat meat and they want to see a vegan therapist because they feel really like understood by that vegan therapist. You know what I mean? I do. And I think that's very reasonable. If you're not comfortable with your therapist, it doesn't matter if that's reasonable or unreasonable, right? You right. you have to be comfortable in order to share some of these things. It would be great if we lived in a world where you just didn't know, but you know, sometimes we do things to tip our hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for example, we put that bumper sticker of the person that we voted for 
in the last election on our car. And then you see the therapist get out of the car and maybe you just really dislike that person for whatever reason, right or wrong. We don't have to get into that, but you're like, ah, I don't trust your judgment anymore. Luckily there's more than one therapist in the world. (laughs) There's more than one therapist and they've all voted for different people. (laughs) And we'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, Gabe here. I host another podcast for Psych Central. It's called Not Crazy. He hosts Not Crazy with me, Jackie Zimmerman, and it's all about navigating our lives with mental illness and mental health concerns. Listen now at psychcentral.com slash not crazy. Or on your favorite podcast player. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus, chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. And we are back discussing therapy with Jeff Gunther. Now, here we are. We've done everything. We've looked online. We've made sure we're safe. We chose our potential therapist. What happens now? Uh, Congratulations. I want you to actually (laughs) choose three potential therapists. Really? Yeah. I want people to like shop around a little bit. Okay. And I want you to schedule a consult with three different therapists so that you can really get a good understanding of who these people are. And when you say schedule a consult, that's a phone call, generally speaking, correct? Generally, it's a phone call. I actually allow people to come in for a free 30-minute consult in person, which is also does a lot for me so I can figure out how they are in person if I feel like I'd be a good match for them. But yeah, it's typically a phone call. And if a therapist thinks that after the consult, it's not a good match, then we have an ethical duty to refer you out to another therapist that would be a good match for you. So we're like, we're already working for you. We got your back. But even more importantly, it's for the client to figure out if it's a good fit for them. So you should feel free to like ask all the questions that you feel are important in order to make sure that you just spill your guts to this person. So what's important to you, it's important for you to get in touch with that. Um, You can ask about their training, their experience with your issue, their cultural competency, stuff like that. So now you're on the consult call. What are some good questions to cover? Yeah, so this is where I have a lot to say. (laughs) So Please, please. Just like a little disclaimer. It's up to the therapist whether or not they feel like they want to answer questions that you're asking them. Some therapists are really just sort of blank slate. Like you don't get to know anything about them. It's all about you. But other therapists on the other side of the spectrum are like, I'll answer your questions if it's important for you to feel comfortable and feel like you can kind of trust that I understand you. So some basic questions that clients should ask in a consult is, where did you go to school? What did you study? What makes you qualified to treat my problem? Do you specialize in my problem? What makes you a specialist? Have you helped many people like me? What is the typical outcome of those cases? Am I a good fit? Why am I a good fit for you? What type of treatment styles will you use? Can you explain those treatment styles in detail with me? Will you talk about my family and relationship history? How important is it for you to know about my past? How will I know therapy is working? Will I feel worse before I feel better? 
who talks more, you or me? Because sometimes therapists are really chatty and sometimes they're just like, you talk, client. And are you a confrontational therapist? Do you give homework? How often do I have to see you? So some other questions that might be a little bit more personal are, have you experienced my issue in your personal life? Or you can ask the therapist, are you married? Do you have kids? Have you always been a therapist? How long have you been in practice? Are you from my city? Do you see a therapist? Are you politically progressive or conservative? Are you religious? If so, how do you practice your religion? Do you believe in God? Who did you vote for? What are your views on social justice? Are you a vegan, vegetarian, meat eater? Are you pro-choice? What are your feelings about our current president? So obviously, like those questions are incredibly personal. And I'm not saying that you should ask these questions. I'm just saying like, hey, if these are important questions to you, and it's really important to find out if your therapist is pro-choice or pro-life, you can totally ask them that. So I'll pause there for a second. <laughs> Do you have any feelings about those questions? On one hand, I feel that those questions are deeply personal, and I would be uncomfortable answering them at my job. However, I asked one of those questions to one of my therapists because I had a problem with the therapist that I had fired over that issue, and I wanted to make sure that it didn't come up again. So I just straight out asked her, I said, what are your religious views? Hmm. Because my previous therapist, who I did not have a consult call with, tabled everything along the lines of religion and it became uncomfortable to the point where I needed to move on. And I did not want any problems with my next therapist. I didn't want to jump out of the frying pan and into the fire. On one hand, I hear all of those questions like one after another, after another, after another. And I think, wow, that is a lot of personal questions. But I am imagining that in practice, maybe only one or two of those is a deal breaker for the average person. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I found. And it's so personal. Like if I'm going to see a therapist, I want to talk about my kids and parenting, then it makes total sense. If you ask the therapist, do you have kids? (laughs) Are you a parent? The therapist can say no and still be a wonderful therapist for you. But it, it feels like you want to kind of know that information. And in your example, yeah, if the therapist is sort of frames things in spirituality or religion, But that doesn't come up until the 20th session. It's like, oh, God, I wish I would have known this because now I'm like not really vibing with what you're like throwing out there. You know what I mean? So these questions, maybe just a handful of them that you might think are important are things that you might want to bring up. And they obviously align with things that are very important to you. If you are not political, for example, Mm -hmm. then maybe you would frame the question of, are you political? If the person says, no, politics have nothing to do with my therapy, Mm -hmm. then whom they voted for is really irrelevant. What you're trying to get at is, are we going to have a political debate? (laughs) Everybody has a different comfort level with some of these uncomfortable things, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, exactly. And there's also, like, if you're a person of color, you can ask a white therapist, have you ever worked with a person of color before? What makes you qualified to work with a person of color? What have you done to learn about my specific culture? How are you continuing to learn about my culture? Why should I trust you? Do you operate from a racial justice framework? What are your thoughts on white privilege? How do you experience and handle your own white fragility? Or even if you're somebody like in the LGBTQ community, Go ahead, if you feel like you need to, ask your therapist, what's your gender identity? What's your sexual identity? Have you ever treated a queer or trans person before? What's your understanding of diverse sexualities and gender identities? 
do you think being gay is a choice? Do you think homosexuality can be cured? How do you feel talking about gay sex? Are you trained in counseling people that want to go through gender reassignment surgery? I can continue to go on. But like what I'm trying to do is just encourage people, especially in like disenfranchised communities that are talking to therapists. Therapists are just sort of predominantly white and sometimes come from like a pretty privileged background. Go ahead and be like, how are you competent to treat me? Like, give me your credentials. And a therapist should kind of be excited to answer that question. And if they don't have a good enough answer, politely move on to one of your other choices. And it's important to realize that how they answer the question is sometimes more important than what the answer to the question is. Mm. If you ask one of those questions and they say, listen, I'm not comfortable sharing that with you, but, and they explain why, or they explain how, and they don't dodge the question, Mm -hmm. that's very telling versus, oh, that's an inappropriate question. Well, yeah, if they're scolding you for the questions that you ask, then yeah, you kind of already know that this is not the therapist for you. So it's, it's important to understand it from maybe that perspective as well. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. If they don't want to answer any of these questions, again, that's totally fine. But I'd really, I really hope that they give you a good, compassionate reason as to why they're not going to answer these questions. And there's really good reasons why some therapists won't want to answer this question because then like all of a sudden it becomes about them and not about you. But they should have like a really good answer if they don't want to answer it. So now we're we're on the consulting call. We've handled all of this. You've got your three. You've narrowed it down to one. You now have selected a winner. <laughs> it, it's it's like therapy reality show, right? But but now you've got it. You're ready. You've made the appointment. You've picked the person. Now what? So it's exciting because now you're going to finally get into it. However, therapy can oftentimes move really slowly. So that's something to keep in mind. I know that a lot of people believe that therapy is quick because of the way insurance panels work. They approve you for three to five therapy sessions, which creates the idea that, oh, I just need three or five therapy sessions and I will be fixed. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that for a moment? There are some issues that maybe can really be targeted in that amount of time. A lot of times you're coming in for like a specific anxiety. I'm afraid of spiders or... I have a hard time like crossing bridges or something. We can kind of like hone in on that and just focus on that and really have solution-focused short-term interventions. But oftentimes, we really need time to get into it. And this might sound like a really long time to be in therapy, but oftentimes, I don't see a really big change until after the first year of therapy. Um, Because then we can kind of like look back at where you were a year ago and see like how you've grown and how you've developed to like feel more healthy or act more healthy or think more healthy. But there's a lot of secret subconscious defense mechanisms that are making it so that it's really hard for you to change. So we have to kind of slowly dismantle all those defense mechanisms with your permission and then kind of replace them with something else that's more positive or just get them to go away. And it takes a long time to positively influence you. Even though you're psyched to be there, there's usually a lot of resistance. Jeff, thank you so much. Are there any final thoughts, wrap-ups, takeaways that our listeners should be aware of as they move from being weary of therapy to now understanding, embracing, and getting ready to go to therapy? One more thing I want to share that I feel like is super, super important If you go through this whole process, everything we talked about today, and you find your therapist, and it's kind of an exhausting process, I understand, 
but that therapist doesn't work out and they're not a good fit for you, it doesn't mean that therapy in general is not a good fit for you. It doesn't mean that like, oh, therapy didn't work for me. I'm never going to go back. If it doesn't work out, go find another therapist. It doesn't mean that therapy is not for you. Jeff, thank you so much. How can folks find you on the internet? They can find me at therapyden.com. They can find a therapist directory there. They can go to jeffguntherlpc.com if they just want to find my personal website. If you want to shoot me an email about anything, any of these questions that you might have, send me a message at hello at therapyden.com. And you can find my podcast at Say More About That. Wonderful, Jeff. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, wherever you downloaded this show, you can give us as many stars or hearts or bullet points as humanly possible and use your words. Tell people why you love the show. We have our own private Facebook group. You can go over to psychcentral.com slash FB show and sign up for that. And finally, remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, simply by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everybody next week. You've been listening to the Psych Central Podcast. Want your audience to be wowed at your next event? Feature an appearance and live recording of the Psych Central Podcast right from your stage. For more details or to book an event, please email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Psych Central is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website run by mental health professionals. Overseen by Dr. John Grohall, Psych Central offers trusted resources and quizzes to help answer your questions about mental health, personality, psychotherapy, and more. Please visit us today at psychcentral.com. To learn more about our host, Gabe Howard, please visit his website at gabehoward.com. Thank you for listening, and please share with your friends, family, and followers. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.